The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? It's the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and we are coming at you a little different day and time. We're just we're keeping everybody on their toes about when we when we will be bringing you a show. Schedules are all over the place, but hey, it's the offseason. We're playing a little jazz, and the Cincinnati Bengals are starting to do their due diligence on free agents, and especially in that pre-draft process, Senior Bowl is occurring, and the Combine will be upon us before we know it. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He is John Sheeran. It's been a hot minute since we've taken the mics, but John, good to be with you again, my friend. It's good to be with you too. It's good. It's already February. Feels like the season ended like maybe a couple days ago, and now it's you know already a couple weeks until the combine. We got rumors swirling. We're gonna get real answers here pretty soon. So let's get to it. Yeah, so on tap today, we're gonna talk about some of the interesting and eyebrow-raising comments by Duke Tobin, what we may or may not make of those. We're going to talk about just a little bit of Senior Bowl impressions, you know, some players that have maybe stood out a little bit here and there and or just some areas where you go, hey, the Bengals might look a little harder in this area than it may seem. And then, of course, we've got a free agent profile from someone set to hit the open market, and we'll, we'll talk about him in just a little bit next week we're trying to round up some special guesses it is super bowl week so we're trying to get some special guests for you on the show on one or more episodes so keep it tuned well we'll let you know through social media and all kinds of different stuff if if and when we you know solidify some of that stuff but uh, some some people you've seen before on this show and in other places and so uh, when we lock those in we will let you know but excited about that If you're new here, welcome. Please give a thumbs up to the video if you do not mind doing so. If you're watching on YouTube, that helps us out. 
And of course, you can go to our YouTube channel by going to the show icon right around that Cincy Jungle icon underneath John Sheeran's side of the screen there, bottom, my right-hand side, side of the screen. Go click that. It'll take you to our channel. And of course, you got to subscribe there. You got to click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. And then, of course, if you like the audio side of things, whether it's on your commute to and from work or working out at the gym, whatever your deal is. If you want the audio side of things, you got to go subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. You will get our show. You will get episodes of Three and Out from Jason and Kevin. You will get the great, great episodes as well from the coach, Matt Minnick, and Talking Football with Bengal Jim and friends. All of those are on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. So go subscribe there and leave us a review, hopefully a five-star one. And if you're wondering which platform you can get us on, yes, we are on iTunes. Yes, we are on Amazon Music. Yes, we are on Google Music and all kinds of other platforms. So go check it out how you can. Uh, going through a, just a couple of comments here, Houday and Johnny Mason. Good to see all of you, Robert. Get some some familiar names here. Reggie, we're going to get to your comment in just a second, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But John. What's going on with the wide receivers is the big, big question for the Cincinnati Bengals this offseason. Of course, they've got Jamar Chase still on his rookie deal. The extension is going to be in the works there. And T. Higgins, tag, trade, keep, extend, all that stuff. The questions are lingering. And then, of course, oh, by the way, you've got Tyler Boyd, whose contract is expiring as well. Are the Bengals moving on there? So as we've discussed, and as a lot of people know at this point, some questions at the wide receiver, and we'll talk about the comments from Duke Tobin at the Senior Bowl as well. But again, this is shaping up to be a very, very critical offseason at that position group and what may be happening going forward. I mean, you just mentioned outside of Joe Burrow, like that's the identity of the Bengals, specifically on offense, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. when, when Chase was brought here in 2021, it's the vision of having all three of those guys on the roster for the next three years and, you know, these. Those three years led to a Super Bowl appearance, back-to-back AFC title games, and three winning records overall. Even though you had some injury issues pop up with, with a couple of them throughout the years, like it's been the identity. It's why the Bengals have been stuck—not stuck, but they've been kind of you know bullish on staying eleven personnel, staying in the spread shotgun type offense because they want to best utilize the the best players on their offense, which happen to be arguably the best wide receiver trio in the NFL, and it's going to look a little bit different next year even if all three of them were kept together for another year you have Tyler Boyd just being another year older and the questions about are you maximizing that position questions about is the is the next evolution of the offense involved just having a slot only guy there like a guy like Tyler Boyd the questions with T Higgins like is he going to be able to stay healthy for a full season are they going to place a tag on him and everything and while all this is going on, you have Jamar Chase entering what should be the prime of his career. If we haven't already seen the beginning of Chase's prime, like we could be seeing the very best years out of Jamar Chase. That's why they want to get an extension done with him as soon as possible. So it, it, it was a lot of very sureness, I think, in what the Bengals have been saying about Chase, Boyd, and Higgins in the past couple of years. But now with two of them being free agents, there's a lot more uncertainty. There is a lot more uncertainty. And before we get into the wide receivers, where I'm gonna pull up a couple of um I'm gonna pull up a couple of things here with the Bengals and you know some of the things they've talked about. So before we kind of get deep into the wide receivers stuff, 
I know we've got the little tagline at the banner at the bottom saying T Higgins and Jamar Chase. I do want to talk about this because this also is a, is a off season question with the Cincinnati Bengals. And it sounded like Duke Tobin, not overly confident in keeping Jonah Williams. Now, whether that's maybe some hard feelings carrying over between the whole Orlando Brown acquisition and move over to right tackle from Jonah, whether that is the Bengals just wanting, you know, and kudos to Jonah played a full season and stayed healthy, which has not been his MO. Unfortunately for him, you know, he can't really help that has not been his MO as we, um, you know, as, as we, look at this here, but it, the, the article here is on Cincy Jungle, and of course this is relayed from Kelsey Conway and others from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Uh, the quote here is, Jonah, I thought, played well, made a position switch, gave us a full season. It was impressive. He showed that he's versatile, which will play well for him over time. I don't know what the future holds. We'll see. So, you know, and of course then we got into this whole, for those of you who are dessert connoisseurs, talking about pie, this is all about what Tobin's been talking about here. We've got this pie, whether it's a big enough piece of pie for him, meaning Jonah Williams, or he's going to get a bigger piece of pie somewhere else. We'll see. It's hard to predict right now exactly what other teams are going to do and their interest level in any of our free agents. We're proud of Jonah for the way he played quote. So that, and I'll, I'll pin this in the live chat for folks to check out. And of course you got to go check out uh, Kelsey Conway's full interview with Duke Tobin, courtesy of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Got to give her her due. And there was a lot of good nuggets that a lot of people have relayed since. But again, not a lot of, I, I think it was, hey, great job, Jonah. But um, I, I, I'm i not seeing the same kind of, and this will talk, this will go into the receiver talk too, but there's not this, hey, go get your own T Higgins thing that, that Tobin was saying last year as it is with, with Jonah Williams. So that may or may not be predictable uh, in terms of stance, but uh, it's kind of like, well, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of the approach it would seem here. Well, yeah. Like whenever you bring up the, the pie analogy, it's basically just code for saying, yeah, like we have a price for this guy, but it may not be the price that he gets on the open market. And it, it's for his best interest to go out and get the best possible deal, which is just how free agency works for the most part. There's a difference, obviously, between uh, like a guy like Jamar Chase, who you know, Duke Tobin says, look, like this guy is like he's in our long-term plans, and obviously he's good enough that they're going to prioritize him and maybe change you know the, the way that they structure contracts, just like they did with Joe Burrow, right? I think the whole dynamic shifts, or just the whole conversation shifts once roster control is out the window, which is why last year, this time last year. When Duke Tobin was at the was at the scouting combine talking about T. Higgins, get your own T. Higgins, whatnot. He could say that because T. Higgins wasn't going anywhere, right? He was under contract. They expected him to play another season. Now with free agency pending for both Higgins and Williams, you don't have that certainty. You can't make statements like, "Yeah, we expect him to be back," or "Yeah, we're going to do everything in our power to bring him back." Like they don't know what opportunities are going to open up for them, whereas maybe they don't have room to fit the asking price for those players. And obviously, like the tag is definitely in question with T, but if they have other plans that involve using some of that salary cap space where they can't fit $21.5 million for T Higgins, like that's where this change in dialogue, I think, coming from the top comes from. When it's that uncertainty, there's no longer roster control. And specifically with Williams, the fact that he did play a whole season at a new position, which definitely ups his value, like he's going to get, he's going to have one team that's going to be 
for a lack of a better word, begging for his services just because that's the nature of the, the offensive line situation in the NFL. Like, there's going to be a team that values Jonah Williams at a price that maybe the Bengals aren't going to. And obviously, when you're bringing in guys from other teams, it is it is a two-way street. It takes two to tango. It takes interest from that player to want to join the team. It takes interest from the team to want that player. And there may not be of a lot of interest from Williams to kind of come back to Cincinnati because of how the last year kind of ended up. So I think that's where a lot of the uncertainty and the lack of definitive terms kind of kind of breeds from. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I kind of, in my mind's eye, envision this, you know, the the group that makes these personnel decisions having this like spreadsheet, right? This Excel spreadsheet or something like that. And they go, okay, let's say we plug in, they just plug in numbers. Let's say we can plug, you know, get T here. And, and at this cap number and at this salary, number, you know, et cetera. And then, okay, well, what if it's here? And then what if Joan is here? I, I, I tend to think, um, you know, for better or for worse, if the, this is just my personal opinion, I could be completely wrong about this. But I, given what I have seen in their penchant for wide receivers and the fact that, yes, these comments from Duke Tobin and, yes, Jonah played pretty well, you know, on a macro perspective last year. I, I just I kind of see that maybe move you know if the Bengals had a choice of we can extend Jamar Chase and keep T Higgins at least you know for a foreseeable future with T Higgins I, I kind of feel like that's the route they would go and then maybe try and draft and develop a, a right tackle or something like that to save that money there that's that's what I think they would do should or whatever they they do on that front. I think that's being debated. A lot of people aren't in favor of the Bengals going for the tag or maybe the do the tag and the trade thing with T Higgins, that sort of thing. I mean, we've seen what this offense can do with its, its wide receivers healthy and full go. And we've seen them perform at high levels, even when this offensive line was in a shambles, be it from injury or a lack of personnel. So to me, I think, that may be where the conversation ends up going and leading you. You made an allusion here to Jamar chase and I'll bring this article up here because Duke Tobin did note some 
very you know poignant things uh, about Jamar Chase and essentially what you said here and again in this interview with I believe it's Kelsey Conway and the Cincinnati Inquirer what he alluded to is that Chase is the long-term plan here uh, obviously he and Burrow have the rapport and the, the quote here says quote he's eligible for an extension sometimes those happen and sometimes they don't it could we like Jamar he's in our long-term plans he's shown that he is a high-level player in this league and uh you know that's that's more or less where that is and i'll I'll pin this article in here but yeah i mean that is really what it sounds like that's the guy obviously that that they feel that they can extend and should extend and should prioritize long term first for a number of reasons and rightfully so he's had some injury stuff but it has been lesser uh, on a lesser scale than Higgins but I mean you can't deny when Higgins is healthy and in the lineup when Chase is healthy is in and in the lineup and yes Boyd as well I think that that kind of speaks for itself so it sounds like this is one of those things where the Bengals try and get in front of an impending free agent situation like they've done with so many core players where they you know kick the can down the road so to speak and get it get an extension in place no, it's definitely proof of concept. Um, like the the longer that they have Higgins and Chase, the more they're going to feel comfortable about who they are, and the less they have to worry about changing their identity to that to that extent. The the less change, the better. Especially when when all the pieces are healthy, it, it works right. So the thing with Chase though is it's not too common for first round picks who aren't quarterbacks to be extended to let's call it market resetting contracts after the third year. That's a lot of words, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's usually like guys do get extended after three years, right? We see it all the time. L- largely yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's those who are drafted outside of the first round. And this is because teams hold on to that leverage with the fifth year option as much as possible. And sometimes like the quarterbacks don't really give them a choice because they're Joe Burrow or they're Justin Herbert or whatever the case may be. AJ Green and Julio Jones, like they, they're two of the best examples I can think of for guys who had to wait until right before year five to get that deal just because of the fifth year option. It's not like Nick Bosa had to do the same thing. Justin Jefferson literally had to do the same thing. Justin Jefferson thought he was going to get an extension last year and that ran up all the way to the deadline of the regular season. And the team said, no, we have the fifth year option on you. We have two more years of you under the roster, which is exactly what Jamar Chase is going to uh, um, it's the situation he's going to face uh, by the end of this offseason too. So I don't know if it's like set in stone that they're going to get a deal done with Chase, especially with guys like Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, who are going to reset the market. It's going to add more complications to those negotiations. Mm-hmm. But again, the difference being the Bengals are comfortable about saying these things about Jamar Chase because they know that they're going to have him for the next two years at minimum. They could franchise tag him, obviously, if they want in year six or whatever. So they're comfortable with Chase for a while. But obviously, once you get to start talking about T. Higgins, who, as of this moment, is scheduled to be a free agent in like five weeks, a lot more uncertainty with that. A lot more uncertainty. And here is the some of the quotes here. And again, this is an article on Cincy Jungle Quotes relayed from Kelsey Conway and the Cincinnati Inquirer, a very insightful interview conducted by her. Here is the um, and then, of course, you can go to the Cincinnati Inquirer directly to go see that interview and and hear it, etc. I want T. Higgins back is a very brief quote from Duke Tobin. And then, of course, I don't think I'm going to be breaking any news today. 
which was said earlier this week. Last year, T. Higgins was under contract to us. He's a guy we drafted for that reason. be a contributor for us. He's not under contract now, so we're going to have to work through how to do that, and if it's possible, and we'll have to go through the gymnastics of that. So it's a different scenario than it was last year trading a high-level player that's under contract just because the future might demand it. That's never really on my mind. We'll see what happens this year. I want T. Higgins back. Everyone on our team would like to have T. Higgins back. Again, there's one pie. There's that dessert analogy again. And how big of a slice that takes and what else we can't do because of it, we'll have to determine and we'll see. So there is a valid reason as to why this isn't the go get your own T Higgins thing last year. And that's quite frankly, the contact contract situation between last year and right now. I mean, that's kind of how it is. I see this right here from Romero Sotelo, who uh, has, we, we've seen, uh, we've seen him in our, in our show and comments. So thank you for the support and continued support of the show. Romero. Remember AJ Sanu and Marvin. Yes, I do. Uh, only one receiver stayed. There's your answer. If if there's your answer was that's what's going to happen here. I don't know that I agree with that, John, because you are looking now at a situation where the Bengals can look back at that scenario and say, wow, that set us back a lot by not paying one of those guys. That set us back a lot as an offense, a lot as a team. We were not able to keep the continuity and the explosiveness we had in 2015 with that crew and now they're faced with the same problem. And so they could look at that and say, this is why we need to keep T Higgins, even if it's for another year. And that may not be ideal for some people to play on just the one year tag. The other thing I would also say, and I, you and I have talked about this before on the show, but you go back further, the Bengals were able to keep Chad and TJ for a, a blocks of time and, and keep extending them too. So they're able to kind of keep a lot of players under contract there. I understand to a degree the not wanting to keep T Higgins on a, you know, oh man, that eats up your salary cap. Now, you go on another, if you do that, you go on another deep playoff run, who knows? You maybe get to the Super Bowl and or win it. Are you really thinking about the the, the financial gymnastics at that point of, oh man, we, you know, you're down this road again and, and keeping T Higgins. But I mean, I know the tag isn't ideal for a one-year thing, but I mean, if it leads to a successful season, are, are you really that upset about it? Yeah, I mean, T. Higgins is the exact player that the Bengals have traditionally placed the franchise tag. He's, I mean, for a lack of a better comparison, he's the wide receiver version of Jesse Bates. This exact situation is unfolding, happens to be the same agent as well. Um but isn't that, isn't that such a crappy problem? You know, you draft one elite receiver and AJ Green, and all of a sudden you can't, you know, keep your other two. And oh no, we did the same thing again. We have another elite receiver in Jamar yeah, Chase. You can't yeah. can't can't keep all these guys. You know what a crap what a crappy situation to always be in. Obviously, if John Ross had panned out, that whole process would have been a lot more smoother, which makes oh, the John Ross, Ross. And miss even worse because this is a, this is a franchise that historically can draft receivers at a really efficient rate. But it was it was the quote from Duke Tobin that wasn't included in the article that I found really interesting because Kelsey also asked about the potential of a tag and trade situation, which is getting all the buzz right now on Bengals Twitter. Um, there are precedents to tagging and trading guys immediately after placing the franchise tag on him. Um, but again, last year when there were very definitive comments about 
do not come calling calling to trade for Teagans. He's ours. We're not going to trade him. <laughs> now it's I have right. no official stance on a tag and trade. It's literally just him saying pretty much everything is on the table. A tag and trade to me seems unlikely because this is still the Bengals and they typically overvalue the players that people call and ask to, to trade. So unless you're getting like a clear like first round pick, which again seems unlikely for a guy like Higgins who's coming off a not so great year, and also again you're not trading for him under a on a rookie contract you're trading for him on the tag so presumably you have to pay him immediately so for it to get the most value out of that trade but even still like with all of that context underlying everything you know duke had a chance to make a public statement and say we're not entertaining the idea of trading to Eagles. now it's i don't really have a comment i guess it's it truly is a will wait and see situation which makes this a lot more exciting than it was last year yeah i, I mean i would i would be very surprised if the initial step isn't a tag of T Higgins. Now what happens 100%. from there remains to be seen. I mean, unless, unless it's just like, Hey, you know, this, this thing completely implodes. I, I know, I mean, you said it, I know Joe Burrow wants T Higgins back. Um, and we're having a completely different conversation about T Higgins right now. And what we talked about, like, oh, I don't want him playing on the, on the, on the franchise tag. Rookie year, 67 catches, 908 yards, six touchdowns, and that's with Burrow missing a handful of games at the end of the year. 2021, Super Bowl year, 74 catches, almost 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. Next year, 74 catches again, 1,029 yards, seven touchdowns. So consistent across the board there this last year because he played in three less games and there were some drops and other stuff happening. 42 catches, 656 yards, five touchdowns. So the dip in production, the injuries, that sort of thing, that is providing the hesitancy, I think, or driving the hesitancy for a lot of people to want to do this franchise tag situation, play on it just a year because there was this, I hate to use a prove-it deal because he had proven who he was the previous three years and still proved it in a, in a lot of games last year too. There there is this prove it. There was this prove it thing going into a contract year and it just didn't work out all that well for him. And so you go, okay, is that going to be the similar thing here? I, you know, I kind of look at the previous three years and say, there's a lot of consistency there. Yeah. Each of those years, there was maybe a, a game or two games missed and, and everything with that. But I mean, he was right around 70 catches every year, six or seven touchdown catches every year. That was something you can kind of bank on, and this year was more of the anomaly. So if you get that franchise tag for him this year, he comes in and he gets back to that 70 catches, seven touchdown, 1,000 to 1,100 yards type of season, you're going, wow, we, we really capitalized on a really good player, and likely you're making a pretty deep run again with this team if he stays a little healthier and, and the quarterback stays healthy. 100%. And I think in a lot of these conversations are happening just because we all have a pretty good idea of how this is all going to play out. Like in the, in the most standard basic world where nothing crazy happens, T. Higgins gets the franchise tag in all likelihood. He's going to like him or his agent's going to make some statement about, you know, we don't want to do this or whatever. And they're going to continue to negotiate throughout the summer. A deal's not going to be reached. He may or may not report to camp, but he's going to play on that tag because it's uh, it's 200% more than what he's already made in his career. It's $20 million that he's not going to pass up. He's going right. to play on that tag. Right. And then, right. it, like in, in typical fashion, you know these guys who do get the tag and don't get an extension 
are going to hit free agency. And if he does hit free agency, he's going to find a team who's willing to overpay compared to what the Bengals are probably going to offer, what they have already probably offered. So people see that a year ahead of time, the Bengals are probably going to lose T. Higgins. So that's the whole reason why the tag and trade conversation is happening now. And I think the only reason why it's being kind of maybe sort of, we don't know, entertained by Duke Tobin and the Bengals is because they're reaching a situation where this is going to be probably the last year where they can enter for agency with like over 50 million in cap space. And they maybe want to take advantage of that. They're not, they're not just pushing that to the side, just thinking like we have to have T Higgins on a roster this year. If they're thinking about this, maybe the last year that we can go all in in terms of just spending on, on and upgrading the roster as much as possible before you have, you know, monster cap hits for Joe Burrow and an extension for Jamar Chase next year where those caps hits balloon. And obviously the salary cap does increase everything. So they are thinking of, of the idea of going all in and keeping T Higgins for this year, but it's not set in stone just because there's just more at the table now compared to where they were in the last couple of years when all these guys were playing for, you know, rookie pennies. The, I mean, there, there are a lot of moving parts here. You could see here. I don't, I don't think, a new coach in Callahan taking over Tennessee would trade away his first pick. He gets to make, uh, it, we talked about it in the interview when we had with T, T. Higgins on a, a while back. I mean, he's from the Nashville area, right? So, I mean, yeah. uh, so, I mean, there could be an appeal to get to Tennessee for him. We know who his agent is and he is known as a, as an aggressive negotiator on behalf of his clients. We'll just say that. But again, I think, you know, T has liked his time with the Bengals. He is very, very well liked among the fan base. He has had a lot of success. He made a Super Bowl. And, I, you know, of course, the financial aspect is probably the biggest aspect for him. But I think another big aspect for him is, is the level of success he can attain with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, the level of rapport he has with Joe Burrow. And, and so that that is, you know, going to all play into this. And then Natty Ron here says his, is T worth a first round pick? I mean, it, it, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? I mean, I think you can have teams that look back to those first three years of his career and say, that's the guy who T Higgins actually is. They could look to this year and say, well, we're not going to give up a first round pick for this guy who showed some injury stuff and everything this last year. But, you know, there's some folks who are saying, oh, you know, they're content with getting a second round pick. I've seen some stuff on Twitter. They're content with getting a, a lower level pick. Um, you know, some people, oh, you know, it's got to be a top 10 pick. I mean, I, I don't know. I, to me, I mean, there's another question. What's the best case scenario with this? I mean, the best case scenario with me is to make it work for a long-term deal with T. Higgins in Cincinnati because we have seen what the results can be when he is healthy and he is there with Joe Burrow. We have seen the big games that this team has won with him on this roster. We have seen the rapport. So for me, that's the best case scenario. The numbers just have to make sense. We all know that. I, you know, I, 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 that's the best case scenario for me. I'm, I mean, others would probably argue tag and trade, but I don't, I don't know that I'm fully in that boat at this point. No, I, I'm not either. And I think part of that is because I don't think T Higgins is going to command a first round pick immediately. And I think that would only happen in my opinion, if they wait until the draft and teams wanting a wide receiver in the first round, maybe at the end of the first round, like the Arizona Cardinals, for example, say they don't take Marvin Harrison Jr. for whatever reason in the top of the first round, they have like the 27th overall pick. And there's like a, there's like a run on receivers at that point, assuming the Bengals haven't reached out to the Cardinals b b beforehand to, you know, exhaust their leverage. Cardinals reach out to the Bengals and say, Hey, 
will give you uh, this pick for T. Higgins. Like, I think the, the, the problem here is that in order to maximize the tag and trade, not only do you need that pick that you deem is worth what T. Higgins is worth, but you need to get you need to get his uh, salary cap hit off the books in order to use it for free agency, right? If you just hold on to that $20 million up until April, that's money that you can't spend on the open market to improve the rest of your team if you have the intention right. of actually trading him. So that that's a complication in, in and of itself. And honestly, I, I think it wouldn't necessarily do the offense that well if they had to do a situation like 2016 where they moved on from both Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu. And, you know, Brandon LaFell was okay coming in, and Tyler Boyd was a pretty good rookie, but the offense did take a step back. And obviously Joe Burrow is a much different quarterback than Andy Dalton and, and all those other factors and whatnot. But I think too much change there is probably not the best case um, just for the betterment of the offense. And I think keeping both Chase and Higgins for another year while you're developing your young guys and Yoshevis and Charlie Jones and potentially a rookie to eventually take over those snaps in 2025 is probably the best way forward. So, and that's still, again, I, I still think that's going to be the most likely thing here. The tag and trade is fun to talk about, but it needs to be done right if it's going to be done at all. And there's more like, there's a greater chance that that doesn't happen than if it does. Well, we can continue to talk about this for the full hour or 45 minutes or whatever we're going to be here for. So we're going to start moving on, but obviously big, big things to monitor both Higgins and his future with the Bengals chase a potential extension there. And then what happens with Tyler Boyd and that wide receiver group? I think it would be devastating. Not only just to lose, you're not just losing two guys from a specific position group and you go, Oh man, there's some depth out the door. These are two starting players, uh, Higgins and Boyd. These are two highly productive players. For this team and oh by the way Boyd has been a locker room leader one of the very few Marvin Lewis holdovers from that era to this to this Zach Taylor era and that was very intentional by Taylor to keep Boyd there for that so you would lose a lot of leadership a lot of experience a lot of productivity in one offseason if you were to lose both of these guys and so that's why I'm saying hey if, if you can figure out something long-term for T. Higgins, obviously that's the, the, the best case scenario. If it has to be a tag and you kind of eat more money than or, or caps and or cap space, then you would like, well, I mean, maybe that's a sacrifice you make to be able to continue to be a, a strong offensive unit going forward. But speaking of strong offensive units, there's we've got some things to talk about with the Senior Bowl. I did see, um, I did see a comment earlier I wanted to bring up because I haven't really watched this player per se in the senior bowl stuff, but I did, uh, gosh, who was it that said it? I got to go back and look this, but we're talking about, uh, Jalen Wright from Tennessee. And I just wanted to, someone had mentioned his name. If you go back a couple of episodes, that was one of the rookies I said to, um, keep an eye on for the Bengals, a little bit of a polarizing guy because he's smaller. So if you want that kind of big um, thundering type of guy, that's not necessarily his game, but he's got a lot of sizzle, some speed. Uh, he's got a high yards per carry average, uh, does Jalen Wright, and uh, also improved as a receiver. I think he went from two or three catches last year to over 20 this year. So, I mean, that's a guy – to watch. I mean, I, I, in truth, John, I didn't watch, you know, I, I didn't go super in depth with the, with the senior bowl, but I have watched some elements of it and I have been paying attention to some of the big guys and, you know, some of the, the news and notes, I guess 
in, in observations that I've seen. Uh, Taliese Fuaga from, uh, you know, the, the big offensive tackle. He's a guy who's just been, you know, doing a lot of things to impress people. And then, um, you know, the sweat from Texas. Uh, I saw him catch a catch a, like a little corner route in the end zone. They, they had him go out for a, mm-hmm. for a pass. But he is a just seeing him more in person aside from, you know, the college football playoff. He is just a massive, massive human being, just huge. Um, and so those are two guys, obviously, that, yeah, those are going to be in your first round or two probably type of guys, but obviously kept an eye on those guys and things are looking pretty good. So before I think all the practices began, you had a Daniel Jeremiah mock draft that came out, I think his first of the offseason, and it featured seven offensive tackles. And I think like they were all picked between yeah. picks seven and like the late 20s. There was a run right where the Bengals picked. It, this was already an offensive line class that was really top heavy and is going to feature a lot of guys in like the top 30 or 50 lists. And then the Senior Bowl, I think there were two offensive linemen specifically that really stood out and had really consistent weeks and are now being viewed as, you know, not first round locks, but guys who were in that conversation and, you know, how the conversations go every year. Like, oh, this guy's not leaving the first. And then that list expands like 50 players who are going to go in the first round, right? Because that, that's how it always happens. But Jackson Powers Johnson, who we also mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago, had a phenomenal yep. uh, first couple of days yep. of practice. I think he got injured in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. But every time that he was either snapping the ball or at guard, he looked powerful. He looked quick out of his stance. He measured in with like 32 and a half inch arms, which I think might give some people some PTSD from Billy Price. But as we've seen, like that is able that that isn't a limitation that just destroys NFL careers. If you're able to work around it with timing and technique, like you can make it work. And he seems to be a guy that that doesn't seem to be a concern with him. Also, uh, Tyler Guyton, the massive offensive tackle from Oklahoma, both at left tackle and right tackle, he repped this week. Equally as powerful as he is, quick out of his stance. He had some dominating reps. He got beaten inside a couple of times, but that's the nature of those one-on-one drills, right? And there's only so much that you can truly take from just those one-on-one reps with offensive linemen because they're not given any help. It's just a, it's very practice-like setting. It's not really meant to simulate what it is in the game, but it is to sh- it is meant to show off the tools that these guys have in a bigger spotlight where maybe they don't have that first-round buzz entering the week, but it's pretty clear that both those guys – are going to be probably first-round prospects when it's all said and done and just adds to the strength of this offensive line class where we talked about maybe the Bengals are comfortable with moving on from Jonah Williams because of what this class has to offer at right tackle. And then obviously if they're looking for interior help, Jackson Powers Johnson looks like that guy that could be there at 18. Yeah, that's he's, he's definitely a guy that's been uh, talked about quite a bit. Uh, if you I, going back to Fuaga, um, you know, an article on the on the New York Daily News um, kind of talked about him, and he had some quotes, of course, talking about blocking for Aaron Rodgers. And this is from Antoine Staley of the of the New York Daily News, and you know, he said a quote here is a quote. I would say my name, my game is aggressive, sometimes too aggressive. Fuaga said, uh, "I like to I like to get the other guys going." And you know, I mean, basically, people are noting aside from going prior to the Senior Bowl, he was. Uh, out on the West Coast practicing for the combine, training for the combine. And, uh, you know, the, the consensus is he's winning, you know, uh, most pretty much every single rep that he's out there. So 
He's 6'5", 330. Um, we'll probably profile him further here. He may not make it to the Bengals where they sit, but one of those guys that I, I think if, if you don't have Jonah and you're able to get your hands on this guy, you know, let's say you, you, you save some money on Jonah, you're able to put that towards T. Higgins, and then you get your hands on a, an offensive lineman like that or Powers Johnson maybe to help you with some things. I mean, I think that that may be a good route to go, and maybe you – not only keep things afloat on offense from the skill position side at wide receiver, if you're able to achieve that with Higgins, but also maybe even keep things afloat or provide a potential upgrade on the offensive line. hundred percent. And I, I even forgot to mention, like, you know, Guyton is from Oklahoma, which is obviously where Orlando Brown comes from. And there was a piece on Bengals.com about how Guyton has kind of been mentored a little bit by Orlando Brown. So there's already a connection Within the building, here's a quote from uh, Jeff Hobson. Quote, he's been a great mentor. He's been like a big brother. He's telling me to take this time very personal because it's going to separate me going into the draft. He's very respectful to me, even though he's already in the league, but he talks to me like a brother. Orlando, his intangibles are off the chart. Sorry, that was a Duke Tobin comment. Um, but yeah, like th- there's already that connection that's kind of in there. And I think when they're going through these process of just, you know, obviously you're just researching the hell out of these guys and just finding out every little nugget that you that you possibly can. So I'm sure Orlando Brown will be reached out by like the scouting department and just to see uh, what his character is like and what it is like working with him. But Fuwaga is even bigger than Tyler Guyton, and he was already I think like a top eleven prospect according to Daniel J. Myron. And I only mention him because he's pretty good and he gets pretty accurate early in the process. Like his rankings end up being pretty true to what the draft is and what these guys end up being as pros and he was even more dominant in some of those reps compared to other tackles I think he was probably the star for that position and it's get, it's getting to the point where even in such a deep class like I don't know like if, if he continues at this rate like he has a good combine has a good pro day um, I don't, I'm not sure 18 is really in the cards for him but again when you have just a ton of these guys and everyone's just kind of every team's just kind of waiting for one team to kind of start the run and then these guys just kind of come off the board as soon as possible he could just be a victim of that with like guys just fall randomly for no reason every single year and maybe they maybe some teams don't see him as a scheme fit because of how big he is the Bengals certainly don't care about that they clearly prioritize size of the offensive line more than they've ever had so uh, definitely a good fit there. I, if we ever, I mean, I know a lot of people do their, their, you know, a lot of our uh, contemporaries in the podcast world, the Bengals world, they do a lot of, and they do an awesome job of creating merch and, you know, different stuff. I, I would create a shirt if we were to, if we were to unveil a line of orange and black insider clothing, or I don't know, hats or something, I would have, I would have something that would probably say like, Oh, that guy will never be there, or oh, yep. he'll never, you know, he'll never <laughs> land to the Bengals at number blah blah blah. Because that uh, every year we do this, we do this deal, and uh, oh, that guy's never going to be there. That guy's never. Oh, they, they, they third round, never, never. And uh, you know, stranger things happen, obviously. But anyway, uh, it's just some guy, you know, maybe some low hanging fruit in terms of guys that we're looking at and or guys that impressed us going forward. We did get Mister Gener- Mister Generosity. Mr. Whisper, you need I, I know you said you've given us your contact info. You need to send it to us again. We can't find it. So you need to send it to us, the obinsider at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or something like that. You gotta send us to it, send it to us because we gotta do something nice for you for all of the support that you've not only shown us directly, but also helped out in the charities that we've tried to support as well. So thank you. Um and he writes, gentlemen, we know the state of the offensive line, it needs improvement while right tackle is an obvious concern. 
Do you think there's a chance they'll improve left guard in free agency for the draft? And not only did I want to get to this question because Super Chats get precedent, but the free agent profile we're going to get to in just a second is not an offensive lineman. So, you know, again, I think the big thing is I think, you know, we're looking at right tackle and that's probably what they address in the draft in that form. But I don't know. I, I, I still think they like Volson. There were some signs of improvement a little bit towards the end of the year from Volson. I don't know that they're looking to upgrade that per se as a starter, but I don't know. What do you think, John? Yeah, if they had like no other pressing needs, left guard, gourd, left guard to me would be the best. Left gourd. Left gourd. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just because he's, I, I, I mean, I think if they draft a first rounder at right tackle, I think that still makes Volson, in my opinion, the weak link on the offensive line. And it's not, it's not like a terrible thing. Um, I don't think like the Bengals offensive line is in disarray with him starting, but I think me and Whisper here are on the same page. Like you can do better. And if you have a chance to do better, um, you obviously have to weigh with the opportunity cost of that by sacrificing, not taking another position. But I think to maximize what you have up front, you need someone who's a little bit more athletic and doesn't lose as quickly as Volson does, especially at that size. So Last year, there was obviously a lot of talk about him taking that next step, and we kind of saw very similar issues reappear. I had some good games, obviously, like you said, towards the back half of the schedule, but there's there's always going to be more that you want out of a guy like Volson, and it's not the worst thing if he's starting, but there's definitely potential for an upgrade for sure. Yeah. Well, let's move on here, and we will talk about a free agent profile. And like I said, it's not going to be the uh it's not going to be an offensive lineman it's not going to be an offensive uh, offensive lineman here that we're going to profile he is a name that was on our list that we brought forth last week i can't remember if we did the draft guys first or the free issue it's on one of the last couple of shows so we had kind of some names to watch now there are things that make sense with this player and some things that do not but he played against the Bengals last year had a high high level of success he is a guy that the Bengals have been connected to in one form or another, uh, you know, over the past couple of years. So the Bengals need help with a pass rushing defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman. This guy brings it. He's a little on the older side of things, but is was arguably engaging in his second best season as a pro last year, and that is Sheldon Rankin's the defensive tackle who was with the Houston Texans last year. And you can see a little right up here. Um, there he is going after Burrow right before Burrow left for the season uh, the week after against the Ravens. But he had a whale of a game against the Bengals in what equated to John the second best season really in his career. You can see here's, here's the stats from last year. He had six sacks. Three of them came against the Bengals. Uh, 37 total tackles. He had nine tackles for loss, 10 quarterback hits, and a forced fumble. I mean, these are all basically the second highest numbers of his career uh, if you go year by year. So this he, he played pretty well for uh, this upstart Texans team that, you know, needed some help in a lot of different areas. D'Amico Ryan's got a lot out of a lot of different guys. And this, as he has gone on, and we'll talk about some different things with him but as he has gone on 
he's kind of shown as he's gotten older, a, a penchant for maybe a little bit of some easier deals to sign. And so here you go. Here's some pros and cons to discuss with him. The age he's going to be 30 in the season. So that's not normally a free agent necessarily that the Bengals look for. He's coming off of his second best season, essentially um, when you look at things last year, the rental deal, he was a two year after he left the saints, he signed, I think a two year deal with the jets. And then he signed a one year deal with the Texans this last year. Could he be a nice rotational player with a rookie that they invest in? And so you get a little bit of this veteran leadership that Zach Taylor likes. You bring in a rookie to help out. And then, as I mentioned, the Bengals were interested in him coming out of the draft. And then when he went to the Jets, the Bengals were interested and thought they basically had him signed up uh, before he went to the Jets. There was a guy that they were highly invested in. So now two years later, are they still that, that interested now? Here's something that uh, we'll show you here in just a second. This is one of the sacks, and we'll slow it down here. Here he is. He get he beats, uh, I believe, Kappa. He beats Kappa, falls, grabs Joe Burrow, and then he, here he is to clean up the entire play at the end of the play there. And I can I can rewind this for folks if they want to see that one again. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. Beats Kappa once again, gets in there has burrow sack burrow does his magic gets away from it but gets back up navigates around kappa again and then brings burrow down also causes a fumble on the play that orlando brown ended up getting so that is sheldon rankins in a nutshell and that clip of course courtesy of the nfl nfl network or nfl films cbs sports cbs all of that don't want to be uh, accused of copyright stuff so uh there you go but just a little bit of a snapshot on rankins and a guy that i think the Bengals may have on their radar it may or may not make sense on some levels but again he's up there in age but coming off of a really productive season yeah and he just he had one year with houston um I, it seemed like over the past couple of years the texans were just accumulating a bunch of veterans on these cheap deals just to see what sticks and obviously everything kind of hit for them before the injuries kind of you know tore everything apart but he the season that he had i think defines who he is as a player he is an exciting interior pass rush um who's not necessarily a complete player but having that as like the headline of who you are as a player makes you incredibly valuable like he was i think ninth or tenth in pass rush win rate amongst you know starting or significant contributing defensive tackles and that was about the same ranking that he had against true pass sets. So his production was real, even if the sacks weren't, you know, up, up near the double digits or anything like that. Um, unfortunately, I think the part about him not being that complete player, not very good in run defense, right? He misses a lot of tackles. He missed six or he missed 11 last year, which is a career high. He missed 14 in the past two seasons combined. His missed tackle percentage is always going to be around that 15 to 20% range. And especially for defense like the Bengals who have struggled against the run and don't want to get gashed up up there again, that's going to be something that they factor in, which is why, to me, Sheldon Rankins is just like Larry Ogunjobi, but maybe, maybe a couple years older, right? It's just a guy that provides you explosion up the middle, gives you 500 pass rushing snaps or, you know, 400-ish um, in, that, in that range, gives you another guy in that rotation just to make, cause havoc, right? You're not expecting him to be this run-stuffing guy that plays on all three downs. And that's exactly why the Bengals signed Leary Ogunjobi to just a one-year deal with a little bit of upside. They gave him like a $5 million signing bonus, $7 million um, yep. total, compared to 
what the inflation is for 2024 with the salary cap, it's probably closer to like a $10 million deal. And I think PFF has him right now projected to sign a two-year contract worth about $10 million a year. And the only the only way I think that he gets that one-year deal is, A, he really wants to join the Bengals because they're a contender, even though he just came from a division-winning team. The Bengals finished last place in their division. Or B, this is just the year where the market is really saturated at defensive tackle. You have Chris Jones, Justin Matabuke, Grover Stewart, DJ Reader. A lot of these guys are entering the market, and a lot of them could sign these mega multi-year deals and maybe rankings on the outside looking in. He's not getting the price that he wants. He takes another one-year deal, and that's, I think, where the Bengals can kind of come into play here. And also, I think a one-year deal is the only thing that Rankins could get from the Bengals just because he's going to turn 30 years old. So all those things kind of need to happen. But if they do, this could be that missing Larry Ogunjobi piece that they haven't had in a couple years. B.J. Hill had four and a half sacks last year. Uh, D.J. Reader had one sack, and Zachary Carter had zero. Um, so, I mean, you look at, and I know, you know, sample gets, gets shuffled around a little bit, but I mean, one and a half from him and, you know, to fail zero, I mean, really not much pass rush out of the interior defensive lineman Hill. Yes. Others. No. So he essentially with, when you look at that, what is that? Five and a half sacks between those three players. Uh, Rankins had more sack, quarterback sacks last year than those three players combined for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think if you have this steady output of Hill, who's been a solid player for the Bengals of getting around, you know, five sacks a year, a couple of turnovers netted, et cetera, you're able to supplement him with a rotational guy like Rankins. Maybe he doesn't want that rotational role behind him, but you're able to supplement him like you were to, Mix in Hill and Oak and Joby. All of a sudden, you know, you're you're looking at you know ten sacks between the two of them, if not more. You know, you bring in another young guy. Maybe Carter takes the that value next step in development. I don't know, but I just think you need to get more out of the interior from a pass rush stand standpoint. It was a big key to the success a couple of years ago when the Bengals made the Super Bowl run. They've been struggling to find some answers since. And you got to get pressure from other places, not manned by Trey Henderson. That is that is for sure. And just for clarity's sake, he did sign a one-year, nine point seven five million dollar deal with the Texans last year. They included like uh, uh, three void years to basically minimize that the cap hit for the for the only year that he was there. But because there is that dead money there, makes it less likely that he. Uh, resigns with Houston just because they have to right. clear the dead dead cap. I don't really know the entire specifics with that, but more ch- more chances than more times than not, when a player uh, has like void years attached to his deal, it limits the likelihood of him coming back. So that will put him on the open market. And considering that he did essentially play for ten million dollars last year, his asking price may be a little bit more than that, just because the salary cap is going up. But again, a lot of this matters with just how the market kind of just establishes itself right Orlando Brown was projected to get 22 million dollars per year last year when a lot of suitors and that didn't end up being the case it's why the Bengals kind of came into play here so we don't know exactly where he's going to be we just kind of have a precedent we have some established figures in that place but yes for what the Bengals are looking for what they have valued a one-year deal with help with upside makes a lot of sense here yeah so well it, it it has to make sense financially. And again, the Bengals are probably going to look inwardly from, you know, Higgins and, you know, Jonah and all these other players and, and see what they have to do and work that, that pencil magic. But 
this is a guy that, at least from a positional standpoint and what he can bring from that position makes sense. And then if you're able to supplement that guy with, you know, some young talent, et cetera, to, to, you know, influx that defensive line with some pass rush help, I don't think it can hurt. It's really just a matter of making the numbers work. And if he will take a, you know, rotational type of role, yeah, the missed tackles are concerning, particularly in the run game, but, um, you know, I think this this team just needs a pass rush boost outside of Trey Hendrickson. Um, not necessarily saying that, you know, some of the veteran guys who have been here for a while and have been productive need to be replaced. But, you know, some of the other guys on the bench that are rotating in, they need to get some some sizzle and some pop from some of these other guys. And they, you know, they've been missing that really since the Super Bowl run. Very shades of what 2020 ended up being when you had guys like you know, Christian Covington and Marcus Hunt playing in there. That's kind of what the end of the season felt like without DJ Reader. And knowing um, <laughs> how they've addressed defensive tackle since then, and even before Reader got here when it was just even worse in 2019, it, it is it is a position that they aren't afraid to throw money at and throw resources at. So good class for it, though. Good class for it. Good class for it. All right, let's start closing up and get the heck out of here let's drop the mic and bail what do you got for us on your way out john nothing much other than uh rest in peace carl weathers um uh chubbs from happy gilmore was yeah. one of my favorite characters that was a, I, I, that was the first time i ever saw him on screen because i i didn't see rocky until i was like much older um but yeah We'll, we'll hand yeah, it, I guess. <laughs> Apollo Creed, and he was in The Mandalorian um, recently. So, yeah, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Um, this isn't an ad. Maybe they'll maybe they'll think about sponsoring the show. I don't know, but I got this. So, my wife got me a, a new wallet that I desperately needed for Christmas, and um, it was kind of a standard. It, it was it was orange and, and had black writing and stuff, but. Um, I had seen a lot of advertisements that the same wallet company made one specifically that is a Bengals one. And I, I ended up getting it. It's called Ridge is the brand. Now it's not cheap, but it is made. It's, it's a pretty cool thing where it's got, you know, you can get your elastic band and then, you know, you can put, um, I'm going to hide this card. So people ain't doing that, but uh, it's, you can put your air tag on it. Pretty cool deal. It's made of like a, like a nice metal and, fits in the pocket nicely. So uh, if you're looking for a new wallet and one that can kind of be pretty sleek, it's got different attachments, all kinds of different things, I would recommend getting this. You know, hey, if someone knows someone at Ridge and they want to sponsor the show, let's do it. But not an ad, but just wanted to give them a shout out because I just finally started uh, using this thing. Uh, I returned the other one. Sorry, Mrs. Kazenza, but I returned the other one and got this one. And uh, regardless, I think it's a good product. They're high quality. I haven't bought a wallet in I don't even know how long. And so long overdue, but a pretty cool one and a Bengals themed one. They've got all NFL teams. They've got other non-NFL designs that are that are pretty cool. Again, not, not cheap by any means, but uh, you get what you pay for. And I think it's pretty cool. Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, as as a guy, like you never replace your wallet until you absolutely have to. You know, you, you ride those You're things right. out until exactly. they until they die. But I, I am I am curious though because it is made of metal. Like, is it comfortable putting it in the butt pocket, or do you have to keep it in like the it, front pocket? It it is. Um, I will say again, since I've got the the, the money clip has the the AirTag Apple AirTag mm-hmm. on it. Um, so you got to make sure that's facing outward. Uh, sure. You don't want to be sitting directly on that. But ever I, I I had it at the gym and you know pointed it out I've had it in both the back pocket and the front pocket 
works nice. And again, it's pretty, it's pretty slim and, and minimalist. Uh, you know, your cards, you, you kind of pop your finger there and all your cards come out. It holds about, I don't know, 12 cards or so. I don't have a ton of cards, but I did have to purge some truth be told, but it's a cool little product. I like it. I like it. I I'm hoping I'll be able to hang on to it for a while. It's pretty durable. So, you know, if you've had leather ones or whatever that end up falling apart, it's a good product. Go check it out. And, uh, Hey Ridge, if you're listening, Hey, we're happy to promote you every week. If you, if you want, if you want us to go check it out. Um, anyway, let's get on out of here, John. Thank you. Happy Friday to you. Uh, big plans for the weekend, dude. You doing anything fun? Um, to be determined, I guess. You know, the weekend's wide open for me. We'll see what happens. Oh, oh I, I owe to be in my <laughs> in my twenties again, where my weekends aren't dictated for me by youth sports <laughs> and all kinds of different stuff. But um, thank you for coming on and sharing your your knowledge and making me look smarter than I actually am. Always appreciate you. Appreciate everybody tuning in live and or after the fact, just a quick reminder before we get on out of here, if you want to help support the show and or subscribe to the different things we do, our YouTube channel, you can get that underneath John, click that show icon, click the subscribe button, click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available and give us a thumbs up there. If you could and would, we appreciate it. And of course, if you want the audio side of things, go subscribe to the Cincy jungle podcast channel with our show three and out with Jason and Kevin talking football with Bengal Jim and friends and the coach, Matt Minnick doing his coach speak and chalk talk thing. Keep it to cincyjungle.com and check out John's lid a to Z sports. Go there too to get your Bengals news, opinions, analysis, podcasts, everything. Take care. Happy Friday. We're going to get out of here. See you.